Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Enjoy it. It happens once a year and it's not coming back for a long time. So enjoy it now. So this morning we're going to start a mini-series, a four-part sermon series focused on living out of the water with Jesus instead of spending our time anchored in our boats. And over the next few weeks we're going to look at a variety of scriptures But we'll be using the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus from Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 as our primary text. I'd encourage you over the next several weeks to read and reread and re-re-read the Sermon on the Mount in preparation for what we'll be talking about here on Sunday mornings. Again, that's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So this morning, we're going to begin that series at the end of Jesus' sermon. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. So this would be a good time to turn there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And I want you to listen to how Jesus ends his sermon. In fact, if you'll do this for me, if you'll think about what I'm about to read as Jesus' uncomfortable challenge at the end of his sermon. We'll call it uncomfortable challenge number one, given here by Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to how Jesus ends his sermon. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it all fell, we know how it goes, all fell with a great, you guys know that song, right? A great crash. So what's Jesus' challenge? Well, this is a choosing challenge, isn't it? Jesus challenges his audience to make a choice. And the choice he challenges them to make is between wisdom and foolishness. I want you to picture this sermon scene this way. 
Jesus is finishing up his sermon. And as this crowd listens, as this audience has been watching Jesus, Jesus has been watching the crowd. And Jesus has seen this crowd do what audience in the presence of a great teacher do. He can tell they're hanging on every word. He sees the eye contact. He notices the heads that are nodding in agreement. He notices that nobody's falling asleep. Everybody's alert. They're hanging and hearing every word. I've experienced this just a few times in my life. And let me tell you, when you're teaching and preaching and your audience is that engaged, it feels good. It's really rewarding. But as you might expect, Jesus is after bigger things than just good feelings and rewards. Jesus is after bigger things than just being heard. Jesus is after bigger things than even being agreed with. You see, if all that happens in response to Jesus' words in this sermon is a bunch of head nods, a bunch of amens, a bunch of even good job preachers, if that's all that happens, then Jesus' words haven't had their desired effect. Haven't had their desired effect on this crowd. So Jesus ends his sermon by challenging his audience to turn those head nods and those amens and those good job preachers into action. He challenges them to turn his words into change. If we use our imagery from this year's Netherwood theme, Jesus is challenging his audience to not be satisfied, to nod their heads comfortably as they sit in their boats and as they listen to his words. Instead, he's challenging them to join him out on the uncomfortable water of not only hearing his words, but also putting those words into practice, living those words out in their lives. And Jesus presents a significant challenge. Will these words that you've been nodding your head to, will these words shape your day-to-day life? Or are they just going to be words and have no impact on how you go out and live your life tomorrow? And so Jesus makes his challenge by using two terms that we can all relate to. Wisdom and foolishness. Jesus asked, do you want to be wise? I think we can all nod our heads, yeah, we want to be wise. Or Do you want to be foolish? And none of us wants to be thought of as foolish. And we need to notice that the difference between the wise person and the foolish person has nothing to do with how many sermons they've listened to. Nothing to do with how many religious books they've read. Nothing even to do with how deep their theological understanding is of what he has just said. The difference between the wise person... And the foolish person is all about what they do. In effect, Jesus is saying, you know, this is really all the theology you need. Wise people hear my words. They nod their heads in agreement and they go and do what I say. People who do that are wise. 
People who do that are building their lives on the security of me, on security of the rock. But in contrast, foolish people hear my words, they nod their heads in agreement, but they don't do what I say. My words have no effect. Jesus says those people are foolish. They're building their lives on the instability of sand. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's really fairly simple and straightforward, isn't it? And that's the theology that we need, right? A person hears Jesus and does. And a foolish person hears Jesus and does not. It's pretty straightforward. But, you know, even simple theology leaves some questions for us. Here's a couple of questions that might have already occurred to you. Question number one. You may be wondering as you listen to this, when Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine... What words is he talking about? What words is Jesus referring to? What words are we supposed to put into practice? Well, This is when we need to remember that we're at the end of a sermon. So the specific words that Jesus is referring to are those words that he has just preached. The words that we read in Matthew's, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is saying, everyone who lives out this sermon that I just preached, everyone who puts the sermon on the mount into practice is wise. And those who don't live it out, those who don't put it into practice are foolish. That's specifically what Jesus was referring to. But I also don't think it's a stretch at all to include all of other, Jesus' other teachings in this category. I mean, Jesus surely isn't saying, you can still be wise by doing these things that I just preached about, but you can ignore everything else that I ever said. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking specifically, but not exclusively, about this sermon, the sermon he just preached. So that's the first question. The second question that might have occurred to you is this. Is Jesus serious? Is Jesus seriously serious about that? Does he really expect his followers to actually do what he says? And the answer to that, of course, is of course he's serious. Now, in this audience, most of us in our wisdom might think that that answer is obvious, right? Of course Jesus is serious. But, you know, you might be amazed at the links that many so-called wise men have gone to over the centuries to relieve them and to relieve us of the responsibility of actually doing what Jesus says. And their arguments against Jesus being serious about what he says 
goes something like this. It can be summarized in this way. The argument goes, Jesus couldn't have been serious because living like he says to live is just too hard. In fact, it might just be impossible. So the argument goes, he was probably just setting this unachievable goal. He was just giving us something to strive toward. But he really wasn't serious about us actually doing it. Or other people argue, maybe he was just talking to like the super Christians among us. Maybe Jesus was talking to the preachers and the elders and maybe the Bible class teachers, but he wasn't really talking to the rest of us. Maybe Jesus expected people like those people to do what he actually says, but he couldn't have seriously expected the average Joe and the average Mary sitting out in the pew to do what he says. He couldn't have been serious about that, could he? And the answer is yes, he could expect that. And the answer is yes, he did expect that. And the answer is yes, he does expect that. So the real question is the original question. And it's geared towards us, his audience today. Are we going to do what he expects? Are we going to live out his words? Are Jesus' words going to shape our lives? Are we going to be wise? Or... Are his words going to have no impact on what we do tomorrow? Are we going to wisely hear and do? Are we going to foolishly hear and do not? Jesus is serious. He's seriously serious. But hearing and doing presents some problems for us, doesn't it? And the problems for us were hinted at in those arguments against Jesus being serious that we just looked at. The problem with doing what he says is that hearing his words is easy, but living them is really hard. When it comes to the Sermon on the Mount, hearing that sermon is easy. It's easy for us to nod our head in agreement, but living it is hard. And we shouldn't pretend otherwise. Yeah, nodding our head is easy, but joining Jesus out on the water and doing what he says is hard. And then when we add fear to the mix, when we add our natural fears to the mix, our fear of what the future may bring, our fear of being taken advantage of, our fear of appearing weak, Our fear of maybe having to do without, or maybe our fear of missing out, or maybe our fear of not receiving the recognition that we think we deserve, or our fear of persecution, even our fear of physical death. When we add those fears to the mix, actually doing what Jesus says appears even more daunting. And the comfortable boat appears even more attractive. And all those fears that we talked about are real, aren't they? 
If we actually live out what Jesus says today, some scary things might happen to us tomorrow. Those fears are real. Putting Jesus' words into action today may very well lead to us being taken advantage of. It may lead to us appearing weak. It may result in us doing without. It may cause us to miss out. It may mean that we aren't recognized. It may mean that we are persecuted. And Jesus says it could even lead to your death. So actually doing what Jesus says can be a serious problem for us because those fears are very real. Those are very real and present dangers. So being afraid of them comes naturally to us, comes easily to us. And on the other hand, really trusting in what God has promised in the future, our future rewards, trusting in that is hard. You know, sometimes as humans what we do is we foolishly build on the sand now. We foolishly hear and do not because that's what makes us feel safe right now. Even though we know that the foolish person's house will ultimately fall with a great crash. So yeah, hearing Jesus' words is easy. Living them is hard. Fear of this world's present dangers is natural, but trust in God's future rewards is hard. Fear of present dangers. We know what that feels like, don't we? There are plenty of things in our world right now to be afraid of, aren't there? I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, what are some of the things that we've seen? We've seen another gunman in a place of worship. We've seen gunmen in parking lots and even in yoga studios. We've seen pipe bombs sent in the mail all around the country. And you know, the amazing thing is in the world that we live in right now, those events have even lost the ability to shock us because they're so commonplace now. They're just two more examples among dozens of examples of just how dangerous and unpredictable this world has become. So what do we do? We naturally react with fear. Fear of gunmen in our churches, fear of gunmen in our schools, that's natural and understandable. Fear of bombs delivered through the mail or placed in public places, that's natural. It's understandable that we fear those things. So when Jesus tells us not to be afraid, he isn't saying those dangers aren't real. They are real. What he's saying is that our fears are misplaced. I want you to listen to what Jesus said a little bit later on in Matthew. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Listen to what Jesus says about fear. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. 
And even the very hairs on your head, I know for me that's not hard for him to keep count of that, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And then he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus is talking about those present dangers and those future rewards, isn't he? Jesus is confirming that the threat of violence and the threat of death are real concerns for his disciples. But he's also saying that those fears should no longer be the determining force in his disciples' lives. Not the determining force, not because they aren't real, but because God is the one who has ultimate power over our entire beings, body and soul. So Jesus says, that's where your fear, that's where your awe, that's where your reverence, that's where your focus must be. It must be on the one who has control not only of what happens to your body, but also what happens to your soul. And you know, for Christians, that kind of fear is good news. It's good news because unlike the gunman and unlike the bomb builders, God exercises his power with mercy and with love. It's good news because God's obedient children are under his care. So those of us who don't let our fears of these present dangers keep us from confessing that Jesus is the Lord, confessing in this life that Jesus is Lord, those people are going to be claimed by Jesus before the Father in the next life. So what do these fears have to do with the Sermon on the Mount? What do they have to do with wise and foolish builders? Well, what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 10 is important to his sermon in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 because fear affects our behavior. We know that's true, don't we? Fear affects our behavior, and this is how it affects our behavior. See, when our fear is focused on God when it's focused on the one who has ultimate power over our bodies and over our souls, we engage in wise behavior. When our fear is focused on God, we hear Jesus' words and we do them. We live them out. Because that's where our focus is. But when our fears are misplaced, when our fears are focused on those who can harm our bodies but can't touch our souls, we engage in what Jesus calls foolish behavior. We hear his words, but we don't actually do them. We don't live them out. And this is my fear. My fear is that's what I see more and more happening around us today. In this scary world, our focus is being repeatedly drawn and pushed away from God. 
And instead, we're being encouraged to place our fear on individuals and groups of people who can't harm our souls, even though they might bring harm to us in this life. And as long as our focus is on those who might take advantage of us, as long as our focus is on those who might make us appear weak, as long as our focus is on those who might cause us to do without or make us miss out, as long as our focus is on those who would keep us from receiving the recognition that we so desperately crave and think we deserve, and even as long as our focus is on those who might persecute us or injure us or even kill us, When our focus is drawn away from God to our fears of others, we engage in foolish behavior. Instead of doing what Jesus says, we do what Jesus says not to do. Our fears lead to foolishness. Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Instead, fear God. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to take Jesus seriously. We're going to work at returning our focus back to where it belongs. Back on hearing Jesus' words and doing what he says. We're going to focus on being wise. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to simply remind us, first of what wise behavior looks like according to Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. And then remind us of what foolish behavior looks like according to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So here first, according to Jesus, this is what wise behavior looks like. Jesus says, we do what he says. We build on rock when we seek peace and reconciliation. When we are faithful in our relationships and faithful in our commitments. Jesus says we are wise when we turn the other cheek. Jesus says you're doing what I say when you demonstrate love for your friends, but also love for your enemies. And Jesus says it's wise when you give generously to those who are in need. And Jesus says wise behavior is forgiving behavior. And God says true wisdom can be seen in those who are humble. And God says you're doing what I say when you trust in God and his provisions. And Jesus says you're doing what I say when you're generous in your judgment of others just as God has been generous to you. That's wise behavior. That's building on the rock behavior. That's hearing and doing behavior. But there's a contrast. And according to Jesus, this is what foolish behavior looks like. We don't do what Jesus says. We build on sand whenever we harbor anger and whenever we engage in name-calling. We're acting foolishly when we're unreliable in our relationships and unreliable in our commitments. 
Jesus says, it's foolish whenever you retaliate. Jesus says, you're not doing what I say whenever you have love for your own tribe, but you have hate for anyone else. Jesus says, it's really foolish when you give to others only because of what you hope to receive for yourself. He says, it's foolish when you hold grudges. And he says, if you really want to see someone who's foolish, look at someone who's proud and pretentious. And Jesus says, you're not doing what I say. When you foolishly place your trust in yourself instead of placing your trust in God. And Jesus says, it's foolish whenever you walk around blind to your own faults, but are very attentive to the failings of others. He says, that's foolish behavior. That's building on sand behavior. That's hearing and not doing behavior. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us back at that original question. Are we going to do what Jesus expects? Are we going to live out his words? Are his words going to shape and mold our lives? Or are his words going to have no impact on what we do tomorrow? Are we just going to nod our heads Are we going to put his words into practice? Are we going to wisely hear and do or foolishly hear and do not? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish builder. It's a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and that house fell with a great crash. Wise or foolish, let's pray. Father, we pray that you'll help us to be attentive to the words of Jesus Christ. Father, not just to nod our heads in agreement, but Father, to take his words and live them out so that his words may impact in profound and meaningful ways the way we interact with the world and the people around us. Father, help us to see that Jesus' words may lead us into some scary situations, Father, but they lead us in his footsteps, lead us to security, lead us to you, lead us to eternity with you. And Father, we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. We're going to end with our uncomfortable challenge. This is uncomfortable challenge number 43, and this is an assessment challenge. I challenge you this week to read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. And as you read through the Sermon on the Mount, I challenge you to assess whether your behavior is wise or if it's foolish. Assess whether you're hearing and doing or if you're just 
hearing the words. Take the challenge, assess where you are in hearing and doing wise or foolish. Let's end by standing and singing together. Say your life,